Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's a.k.a. Radio Red. Radio Red in the house. It's summer here. It's pollen season in Tennessee. Last week, we had 26 degrees overnight. The plants didn't know what to do below freezing. And now it's 80, and I'm ready to put the air conditioning on. Welcome to Read My Lips. This is my special hour every week with creatives. You're all creative. You're doing something to create the life you want or you think you want or you wanted, but you're all creating. We didn't come out of our mommies, as far as I can tell. With a manual, you're going to do this, you're going to talk like this, you're going to look like this, you're going to go to school like this, you're going to marry this person, you're going to have this profession. We're figuring it out as we go along. And I have three fascinating, fascinating creatives with me, and I'm calling today's show Fearless Creativity. Ah, that's setting the bar very high for my guests. Before we get into who they are, I want you all to wave hello to LinkedIn, guests, and wave hello to Facebook, and again, a wave a noisy hello, hello, hello to Voice America Empowerment. And I want you to put up your hands in one hand in the shape of the letter L, Melissa and Alana and Gloria, there we go. And on the count of three, you're going to join me. Let's see if we can do it together in hello, LLL. One, two, three. Hello, L, L, L. Josh, that was pretty good, huh? I think it was one of the best ones. LLL is lovely, lanky Laura Legs, L-E-G-Z. She's a friend of mine from Long Island, Gloria. We met at a ballroom dance social or a lesson or something many, many years ago, and she is our most loyal listener. The only problem is she lives in Whitestone. And I've been taking up a fictitious GoFundMe for about five years to move her to a place that starts with an L, and London was too hot last year, and Larchmont isn't for her. So we're taking bids on where we ought to sit. Laura, but she's been having COVID for a couple weeks, and I think she's better. She told me she'll be able to listen. It's it's been a rough ride. So, Laura, we're thinking about you. So today is March 27th, and just a little personal note here. It turns out in my national holidays, I have a whole bunch of silly holidays I'm going to read at the end of the show. It's National Joe Day, J-O-E. Today is the birthday of my late father, Joe. And every year I forget that March 27th is Joe Day. In my family, it's Joe Day, but it's actually a national holiday. So anybody named Joe, Joseph, Joey, Jojo, anything like that, it's your day. So say hello and happy birthday. Even if it's not their birthday, it's their day. Now let me get on with the show. We are now in the zodiac of Aries, northern celestial hemisphere between Pisces to the west and Taurus to the east, Latin for the ram. Anybody on the panel up in Aries? Melissa or Gloria or I, I haven't seemed to hit the uh, hit the lottery on birthdays of my guests. Anyway, I have a feeling that you're all honorary Aries, and I'll tell you why. Let me just read a couple of characteristics here. I think you'll enjoy them. Aries do things their own way, right, Gloria? Gloria's an honorary Aries. They're unafraid of conflict. Alana, what do you think? Uh huh. Oh, yeah, highly competitive, ambitious, honest, high energy, right, Melissa? Are we with me on that? Okay, uh, self-aware, strong opinions, and ready to defend them. They throw themselves at the world eagerly without fear. They dr- driven to prove themselves and their strength. They naturally ch- take charge. They can be impatient, so don't waste their time. 
Did I get it all? I think we're honorary Aries today. So I'm just going to say happy Aries to all of us. Famous Aries are Mariah Carey, who's actually having a birthday today. Jackie Chan, Leonardo da Vinci. He doesn't have birthdays anymore. Charles Baudelaire and Harry Houdini. It's magic. And I found a funny website that said the best careers for Aries are stunt double, part-time punk, pro wrestler, petty thief, and serial box mascot. You can all laugh now. I've never seen careers like that. There we go. So let me tell you who my special guests are today. Uh, just wave when I call your name. We have Melissa Yee, Y-I, and Melissa is an emergency doctor who writes thrillers about Dr. Hope, and the name is S-Z-E. Can you pronounce that for me, Melissa? C. C. Okay, Melissa Z. She's a resident doctor who finds herself bone deep in murder. I love that. And Melissa's going to introduce herself with a bigger bio in just a couple minutes. Melissa, so happy to have you on the show. And you come to us via my wonderful PR friend, Mickey Mickelson in Canada. So happy to meet you. Then we have Gloria Squatero. Gloria, wave hello. A big New York hi. Gloria comes to us through Grace McCormick, who has been on my show several times and sends me really interesting guests. Gloria is the author of Come On Funk. It's a memoir series, including Move Your Ass, How a Demure Little Wife Made Her Husband a Big City Mayor. And there's a whole story to that that Gloria is going to tell us. Gloria, delighted to have you. And Delore asked me, Gloria asked me what kind of language she could use on the show. And I said, you know, just, just keep it kind of modest there. We don't want to, we don't want to upset Melissa and Alana, but Alana's laughing already. And then we have Alana Gomel. Alana, wave hello. She's the author of... Alana, I wish you would do something with your life, honestly. She's only written 100 stories. She's wow. written novellas. She's written six dark fantasies and sci-fi novels. And she's the editor of the upcoming Palgrave Handbook of Global Fantasy. Alana, very honored to have you here. And you come through Francesca Maria, who was introduced to me and was on the show a couple weeks ago, introduced by Mickey Mickelson. So this is a big round robin there. There you go. So I'm calling this Read My Lips fearless creativity. Radio Red in the house, so happy to be here. Monday is just the, one of the happiest nights of the week for me because I get to talk to such interesting and smart and motivated creatives. And today's panelists are, they fall into that category. Melissa Yee, would you please spend about three minutes? I'm putting you on speaker view. Would you kindly give us the full bio? How'd you get to do what you do? When did you get the idea to write thriller novels? And how'd you pick the name of your heroine? Melissa, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Well, um, as you said, my name is Melissa Yee, and I always wanted to write, but I also wanted to be able to feed myself and potentially any children. So I thought, I like school. I'm good at it. I wouldn't mind saving people's lives. So why don't I become a doctor? And then in my spare time, I can write. And the, and the medicine will give me stories and uh, sort of a way into people's lives at times of crisis when I might be able to help them. So I thought this was a good match. I kind of underestimated how much energy it was going to take, but ended up working out okay. Um, I actually started off in fantasy and science fiction because my then boyfriend, now husband, pointed out that there are a lot of short story markets and that's kind of where I honed my teeth. And since then, I've learned how to write mysteries and thrillers. Um, I Sometimes people are surprised that I also have kids. We did have end up having two children, a boy and a girl, which in French, they call a millionaire's family because uh, you, you're rich in children. And we also have two rescue dogs um, who you might hear barking. And I'm sorry about that. 
That's okay. Um, but if the dogs come on camera, Melissa, you have to introduce them as a cameo appearance. I insist on I names. I absolutely Please. would. Yeah, but one of them is too big to lift up. Uh, the little one I would be able to lift up. <laughs> no problem. Okay. Okay. When I was a medical resident in Montreal, I just thought it would be cool to write about um, well, I just saw a bunch of people lying on stretchers and waiting for admission, and um, I thought uh, subconsciously about murder, and I thought it would be a nice idea if doctors, in addition to fighting cancer and bacteria and viruses, if we could also fight real <laughs> criminals and put them in jail, which you just can't do with, with microscopic things. So, um, unless you call, like antibacterials, <laughs> putting them in jail. Anyway, so um, I started writing about Dr. Hope C. And I, the name Hope, I think, just came from, I, I thought it would be a great idea to write a series called, the first would be Cross My Heart, and the second one would be called Hope to Die. And the third one, she'd be on surgery, and she would be called Stick a Needle. But <laughs> and then and then I do ophthalmology in my eye. I was going to do those ones. It turned out there are quite a few books called Cross My Heart, and I didn't think that captured the mystery thriller aspect so well. And so the first book actually ended up being called Code Blues. So there's a, a nine-part series actually for Hope there. But now I've written uh, her with the seven deadly sins. So the first one is wrath or anger, and so she's facing the shapes of wrath. And the last, by the way, the last name was because I went through a phone book and I picked out the name C, S-Z-E, which in res retrospect maybe was not a smart thing to do because everybody asked me how to pronounce it. But an English teacher who presented me at his school was like, well, did you pick it because she can see things and she understands what's going on? I was like, no, but that's a very good idea and I will use it from now on. Thank you. Very, very cool. Thank you. Very, very interesting bio. You have found time, in addition to being a, an emergency doctor, to write a lot of books. Uh, I'm very, very envious of how you organize your time so well. I've been working on my novel for two years, and it just doesn't interest me anymore, and I know I have to finish it, and it's just sitting there. It's here right on my computer, and I just can't get to it. I don't know. I'm going to have to set a deadline. I will do that. Melissa, welcome. So happy to have you here. Gloria Squatera. Gloria, I'm putting you on speaker view. Would you please honor us with your bio? The title of your book was a little bit of a teaser, and we want to know more. So, Gloria, go for it. Okay, so I have a three-book series, uh, Come On Funk uh, series. The first one is May Cause Drowsiness and Blurred Vision, The Side Effects of Bravery. And that came out in 2019. And Come On Funk, Move Your Ass comes out May 24th of this year. Um, I am so not an honorary Aries because I walk through the world in a fetal position most of the time. I am totally afraid of everything. Uh, I have to force myself out of uh, anxiety mode. Um, I became a writer quite by accident, which is really how I live most of my life is I never plan to do things. It's just, it comes down from the universe and, and I find that I'm doing it. So um, I first started, uh, we went on a trip to Europe. I wanted to go to Europe. We went by boat because I didn't fly. And I, so there's nothing to do five days on a friggin' boat. And so I started writing a travel journal. So when, my, when I die, my kids could, you know, 
look back at this big adventure we took when, when they were teenagers. And before long, those little notes I was jotting down became quotes and eventually it became these first two books. Um, I still never really thought about writing except I used to write a Christmas newsletter. And um, I am, the, the reason why I was uh, told about the cursing to keep it low uh, <laughs> is because I, I tell, told all in my Christmas newsletters. Um, it wasn't the typical, you know, oh, my kid achieved this, that, the other thing. It was the down and dirty and um, people quite liked it. And I had a creative writing professor come to my door. He was the stepfather of one of my birth students. So he didn't even know me, but he read the newsletter that I would send to my birth student. And he encouraged me to write. And um, I said, there's, there's no way I can write. I, I never took the first class on writing. And he said, you can't take the first class. They'll take your voice right away. And um, so I never took the first writing class. And here I am two books later. Wow. Tell us about the mayor. I saw the, the title, How a Demure Little Wife Made Her Husband a Big City Mayor. Just briefly, how did that happen? That happened um, because I'm stupid and I was being a very loyal wife. Helping My husband is a typical uh, white hat guy, government worker, you know, goody two shoes. I'm a New York Italian. I push it to the limit. Um, so he wouldn't run for mayor, uh, actively run for mayor until he quit his job, which meant somebody had to find a headquarters for him, set it up, furnish it. And so I did all that for him under the radar. And um, the day came when he quit his job the, on a Friday, on a Monday, we're having a press event. And I'm supposed to go home that day. I, I'm ready to go home. I've already been there two months longer than, than he led me to believe. But press slam in the door, then they slam back out the door. And the phone started ringing. And there's three of us in there, me, my husband, and his uh, secretary from City Hall. And one thing led to the other that, you know, I there was never a chance that I could leave and I became his campaign manager by default. Oh, my goodness. Very, very interesting. Well, you'll tell us a little more about that during the show. Thank you very much, Gloria. Very interesting. And you're on, on Long Island right now, aren't you? Where on Long Island? On the North Shore. I commute between here and D.C. And, and hopefully very soon, Hawaii. Well, good. Well, you'll tell us more about that later. And we're going to move along to Alana Gomel. Alana, welcome. Happy, very happy to have you here. We would be delighted if you would introduce yourself. Go ahead. Thank you so much. And starting with honorary areas, uh, today is my son's birthday. So he is an Aries. Okay. Yes. And when people ask me, so I kind of, I think it rubs off on me a little bit. So when people ask me like to introduce myself, I say, I have two kids, I speak three languages, and I have lived in four countries. It's not true, exactly, because I actually speak four languages. And I lived in, I think, six countries, but I'm not entirely sure I would have to count it. So 
I was actually born in Ukraine, and uh, my family left Ukraine when I was a teen, and then we moved to Israel, and then I lived in China, and I also lived in Italy for a little while, and now I'm in California, and I'm speaking to you from Las Vegas, which I think should count in this additional country. <laughs> so next time, you know, when people ask me about my CV, I'll just add it to, to, to the list of the countries. So um, I'm an academic, actually, and I have taught like in various universities, including Stanford and our University of uh, Hong Kong, my whole life. But at some point in my life, I said, like, okay, I talk about science fiction and fantasy, and I write about science fiction and fantasy and all those things. I now it's a time that somebody wrote about me, okay? And so this was a time when I decided um, now I want to write the kind of things I always read and I always wrote about. So basically I write horror. I'm a member of Horror Writers of America, but horror is a big thing. So horror includes, you know, science fiction, fantasy, whatever. And when people ask me like, I'm a very optimistic, so people ask me, why do you like horror? And I say, I like horror in order to keep optimistic and cheerful person. Because, you know, every time things bad things happen to me, at least I say, I don't have a zombie invasion in my living room. I don't have a dead body in my garage, you know. I don't have all those things that I can easily think of. And I don't have those in my life. So uh, not only do I um, write horror, I still write about horror. I still publish academically. Um, so this is me, you know, and um, I am, uh, your description of Aries is wonderful. And I'll tell my son that he should change his career. He's actually a lawyer. And instead, he should probably be like, what a mascot for a, for a, um, Serials, I think this, yeah, serial mastered much better career for him. So, and I'm really, really happy to be here. Thank you so much. And, and Alana, you've written over a hundred, what was it in your bio? A hundred stories. Do you write every single day? How do you, how do you, how do you make the time? How do you focus? Do you sit in actually, a, a, actually, a, yes, actually, yes. Because when I was, when my kids were small, you know, I had to write like in, in, increments of like five minutes or so and it was very uh very frustrating and i also had to publish academically which is what i did now finally my kids are growing up out of the house i don't have dogs i have one husband but he's you know somewhere else so uh, i have time to and totally i write every day very interesting. I need to get some of that discipline. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate the bios. Nice to get to know you more. Let's go to the part of the show where I've asked the three of you to each send me a favorite quote from a fictional character in a movie or a TV show or a song lyric. And we have quite an interesting mixture today. Melissa Yee, I'm looking at your not, the quote you sent, and it's from Hand in My Pocket, a 1995 song by Alanis Morissette. Hard to believe that 1995 is 28 years ago. Right, Gloria? It just It's like, oh, 1995. Yeah, it was just a little while ago, and here we are. Um, it, the song from the album Jagged Little Pill. 
Canadian recording artist and songwriter Alanis Morissette. This was her third studio album. Um, let's see. It became her second number one hit on the U.S. Billboard Modern Rock Tracks chart. It reached the top 10 in New Zealand and Canada. Her first number one single, a music video, was released featuring her at a festival driving her car, and it was a black and white video. I'm sure that's important to somebody. And the quote Melissa has picked is, I'm free, but I'm focused. Melissa, what does this have to do with your creativity? Go ahead. I think it sums me up pretty well as a person as well as my creativity because I need to have the freedom. That's why I do it. You know, obviously it's not necessarily for the money or fame or anything like that. It's because I, I say the things that I want to say and I create the worlds that I want to um, with love and justice and the sense of community. But I also need to be focused because otherwise, if you're just always writing whatever you want, then things don't get done. <laughs> At least my things don't get done. So I need to have both. And it's always a tension between the two. And, you, you know, actually, Alanis is from Ottawa, same as me. We're both Canadian. I figured there was a Canadian link there. Do you write every day when you're writing in, in between? I'm sure you have long shifts at the hospital. You don't have to tell us your schedule. But do you make, do you, do you calendar for yourself? Because sometimes when I'm busy, I put time in my own calendar. You know, write this and do that and prepare this. I put prep time in my calendar before every radio show I do. It's my time to just focus and make sure the notes are right and the connections are set up and everything. Do you have to do that with your schedule, Melissa? I'm playing with my schedule quite a bit. Um, I have told, like, you know, there was another writer, Travis Richardson, who asked me, well, what do, you, what do you do when you have kids? Like, how do you make sure that you write? And I was like, well, there's this saying, you have to be ruthless. And he was like, hmm. And then later I saw him and his wife singing as they were changing their baby's diaper. And I was like, okay, I don't know if, he, if he's got that same kind of ruthlessness that I do. Like I would pump and write or I would be, I would feed my baby and I would write right away. Like I would just try to really make it a priority, um, almost to the point of injury to myself. So I got I to admit, like you do have to figure out how to do it right um, but I don't actually put it in my schedule because I just try and do it first. But I have to say recently I've been working out quite a bit and um, that I find tough. You know, there's just so many hours and such energy in the day and I figure out it's better if I do yoga before I do the workout because then otherwise the yoga gets pushed back, doesn't get done. And then I'm just like, if I have to write first and work out first and do yoga first, like, None of that is all possible. So I'm still figuring it out, but it's actually still better if I write first. Thank you very much. That's quite a challenging schedule you've got. I admire how you get it done. So you're priority driven, right? You're, it's not in the, you know, you know what you want to do when you know what you need to do when you pick the order. Thank you, Gloria. Gloria has picked a very, very, very interesting quote. I found the clip from the movie. It's Cheeto the Chihuahua, voiced by Cheech Marin. Oliver and Company, 1988. We're going back in time here. American animated musical adventure film. Let me just read a little bit. It's the 27th animated feature by Walt Disney Feature Animation by Walt Disney Pictures, loosely based on the Charles Dickens novel, Oliver Twist. In the film, Oliver, this is a homeless kitten, who joins a gang of dogs to survive the streets. It was originally set in, of course, 19th century London, and now it's set in 1980s New York City, and the gang is dogs. And what's interesting was they were having a, um, a staff meeting, Michael Eisner of Disney, Gloria, and Jeffrey Katzenberg. And there's a young man named Pete Young. I don't know how young or old he was. I said that. He's a story artist, and he said, hey, why don't we take Oliver Twist and adapt it with dogs and call it Oliver and the Dodger? 
And it became one of the cult favorites of Disney Pictures. So very, very, it was the idea of a story editor in a movie, in, in, a, in a meeting, and they didn't even know what to do with it. Here's the quote. You really have to explain this one to us, Gloria. If this is torture, chain me to the wall. I didn't attempt to do the Cheech Marin Chihuahua voice. That just went, if you want to do it, Gloria, go ahead and put yourself out there. Talk about bravery. Gloria, talk to me. Um. You know how when so this is a movie, you know, when my kids were very little that I probably watched, you know, 50 times um, with them. And it somehow it just became one of those family sayings. Um, I don't even really know why it became a family saying now. But basically, the way I look at it is that it seems like it's human nature to always like fixate on the negative instead of the positive. And so uh, so I'm sitting here, I'm looking out my windows right now. It, it's There's tall trees outside. The sound, Long Island Sound is right across the street. And I, I tripped a few weeks ago and hurt my shoulder. So I could be really focusing on man, my arm is freaking killing me on this show. Or I can look out the window and say, if this is torture, this shoulder chained me to the wall because you, you can focus on the negative or the positive. And so that's, that's why I love that quote so much. That's fascinating. It, it's all relative, right? It's context. That's what we're talking about. The context of what have you got, the good, the bad, and everything in between. And what are you going to give your affirmations for, right, Gloria? What are you going to give your affirmations for? I have a, a friend who has been struggling with chronic pain for about six months, re really serious, life-changing pain. And now instead of looking for diagnoses and cures which aren't coming, they're focusing on affirmations. They're working with pain management specialists, with a group of people who talk about, without giving away too much personal information, with a leader. And this person said to me, they went for a ride in their, their truck with their husband and their dogs. And instead of saying, oh, damn, I feel terrible. They looked out the window and said, I deserve to see this beautiful countryside. I deserve to see those cows grazing in that meadow. I deserve to wave hello to the farmer on the side of the road. And she changed her whole perspective. Yes. And is getting better. The pain's still there, but it's training the brain not to focus on the pain, to think about other things. This is very, very new perspective. And by the way, she's a a, a physician, Melissa, which is not what she was taught to do. So very interesting. Let's move on before we get too personal here. Alana, you have picked a quote from Stalker, played by Alexandra Kaidanovsky. The movie is Stalker in 1979, where we're still going back in time here. A Soviet sci-fi art film. Now, I love the way they combine genres. Sci-fi art film. I've never seen those put together. Usually it's a romantic comedy or a thriller drama, but sci-fi art film. Okay. Uh, by Andrei Tarkovsky, an expedition led by the stalker who guides two clients, a melancholic writer seeking inspiration and a professor seeking scientific discovery, guides them through a hazardous wasteland to a mysterious restricted site called The Zone. 
capital Z, where supposedly exists a room, Gloria, you're going to love this, a room that grants a person's innermost desires. The film combines sci-fi with dramatic, philosophical, psychological, and theological themes. <laughs> that sounds interesting. Here's the quote <laughs> Alana has picked. That's, a, that's a, a bunch here. The quote is, there's no going back. Nobody goes back the same way they came. Oh, I think we all know why. I think they all we all know that's true. Alana, how did you find this beautiful quote? Talk to me. Okay. So, first of all, I don't like this movie. Just so you know, okay? Um, it's based on a novel, which is an amazing novel, but the movie is, um, let's say, a little too heavy, uh, even for my taste. And I am a professor of English literature, so if I say it's a little too heavy, trust me. But I really like this quote because this is basically the story of my life. As I said, I was born in Ukraine. I left it as a child. I never went back. You know, every time I move to a new stage, I move ahead. I'm always looking to the future, never looking to the past. Um, you know, and it's very easy for immigrants like myself, and I have been immigrants several times in my life, you know, Ukraine, Israel, um, United States. It's very easy for us to be caught in nostalgia, to start thinking about the past and not looking forward to the future. And it happens to people, it happens to countries, it happens to, you know, and this is deadly in my view. Um because you're caught in the past, which you cannot change. You can change your future. You can create your future. Incidentally, it's one of the things in the novel um, and in the movie, you kind of, you decide, um, it, it can grant you every wish, but you have to decide what you wish for. And it's really difficult to do. So, but the most important thing is the future is yours. The past is not. And so this is, for me, it's a kind of summing up of how I, I live, but also how I write. Because I write, you know, my uh, last novel, Girl of Life, it's about history, but it's a fantasy. It's a, uh, a historical fantasy. But I like all kinds of things. I write, you know, academic, I write um, science fiction, I write horror, and every time I move on to a new project. So this is, for me, this is what it's all about always go forward, always move on, forget about the past. Thank you very much. Yes, we don't want to get chained to the past because it's done, but we can learn from it, right? We can grasp what we can try to learn from it. We can, yes, and move ahead with our priorities, which I think all of you were doing because you're all very busy and you're all very focused on your writing, and I'm very envious because I haven't been able to focus on my writing. Melissa, you want to say something? Go ahead. It's interesting what Alana said. I just want to build on it because my... Uh, grandparents and parents immigrated on both sides mm -hmm. to Canada. And I wanted to add as a testimony to the past that my grand, my maternal grandfather's English name is Joe. So it's a Joe day. Uh, <laughs> like when you said that, I was happy to hear. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, and you know welcome. what? My, and my parents were always very focused on the future, actually. They didn't want us to learn Chinese. They wanted us to speak French because we're in Canada and stuff. And when I went to university, like other people be like, oh, it's sad, so sad that you don't speak Chinese. And I was like, oh, well, lots of other people do. But <laughs> when I That's had kids, <laughs> I was like, oh, shoot. Like I would like my kids to, and it's easier to learn a language when you're before age six. So that's the best time, you know, when your brain is the most plastic. Um, 
but neither of my kids really wanted to. And I hired Chinese tutors and we brought them to Chinese schools and all this stuff, but it just hasn't worked out that well. Um, so I feel badly about this, but it's, uh, it's definitely a balance between the past, present and future. I, I will tell you, you just sparked a quick memory here. Um, I divorced when my kids were very young, so I raised them. I tell people they raised me. One's a lawyer, one's a doctor. And uh, I said to them when it was time to pick a foreign language in school, we were living on the, on the West Coast in Oregon, and I said to them, look, let me just lay it on the line. I took French for years. I studied in Neuchâtel, Switzerland. I was in some French contest of the New York City Public Schools, Gloria, sometime or other. I don't know what I did. And I said, if you want any help with language studies, you got to pick French, if you pick Spanish or Latin or anything else, all bets are off. I can't help you with your homework. And of course, they both pick French. But that's it was just interesting. I, I just said, if you want help, I'm here. That's the only language I can help you with. There we go. So I tell you what, ladies, thank you for those quotes. Very, very interesting. The next part I didn't warn you about. You each sent me four statements about your creativity. I'm going to pick right from the notes one or two from each of you. I will read the statements. You do not have to go searching for your notes. It's okay. And I'm going to ask you to just take about two or three minutes and explain a little more about what you mean. So, Melissa, you're up first. I'm going to combine statement one and two. I'll read them both for you and then just tell us a little more. And if anybody of the, of the others, Gloria or Alana, has any comments, just raise one of your polite fingers. you got five fingers, not the mean one, the nice ones. Okay. So, Melissa says, I make stuff up out of my own brain that no one else has seen or heard before. I've seen that, Melissa. It's a very, very uh, common sentence about what creativity means to most of my guests, and I appreciate that. But then you went on to say, mostly I write, but I'll try almost anything. I wrote, I performed, I sang, and I danced in a one-woman show. My husband will ask, don't you want to follow the recipe at least the first time? And I'll say, nope, I've made enough cakes that I feel comfortable playing around. That's absolutely beautiful, Melissa. It's gorgeous. One minute you're singing and dancing and now you're baking cakes. <laughs> Melissa, tell us a little bit about what this means to you, please. I love it. Yeah, I think that people have different approaches to creativity. And I do definitely love when people reinterpret things, you know, like they, you can sing a song that someone else has sang, sung before and you make it completely your own, even though you're singing the same notes and in the same way. But for myself, I love some element of improv. So, you know, I, I, I will follow that cake recipe, but, you know, if I'm just like, well, maybe we don't need quite as much salt or, you know, when I learned that you can use tofu to substitute for eggs. So I was like, well, okay, that's interesting. Let's give that a try. Of course, my, my family was horrified. But I'm like, <laughs> oh, but this tofu has been sitting here for months. Why don't we give it a try? You know? <laughs> Um, and then recently I was like, oh, chia seeds too? You could use chia seeds. And they're like, no, stop, mom, stop. Mom is a health nut. You know, I guess it can be too creative sometimes. And I have to say, like, my workout groups, like, some of the recipes that they come up with, like, they're like, black, it was like black cupcakes made out of black beans. And I was like, huh, I just don't know if I'm going to give those a try. Um, but in general, like, um, I will add that we all have life roles is what my, what my mentor would call it when things go wrong um, in our lives. And then creativity can be one of the things that, that leaves you. You know, I think a lot of people notice that during the pandemic, like it was, it's very hard to make something when there is grief and tragedy around you. So when that has happened in my own life, one thing I thought was helpful was not to write like, and specifically not to write fiction because that was the hardest, but to write nonfiction or memoir was easier. And then I started off, drawing and I'm not an artist but you know but I just would imitate 
something. And then I, and I baked a cake and I remembered that I loved a cake when I was, uh, like a birthday cake at somebody else's party when I was small, which was, you know, when they put stuff in the cake mm-hmm. and there's like a ring or there's Surprise! a, yeah. So I was like, oh, I'm going to bake a cake and I'm going to put something in it. So uh, that's what I did. And but she's she didn't want to eat it all, so she froze it and gave some to the, some people working on her house. But she didn't tell them there was stuff in the cake. Oh. So one of them found the ring, and and he just left it on the plate, but without without saying anything. But I was just like, did the guy hurt himself? Did he break his tooth? Like I don't know why you just tell him there's stuff in the cake. <laughs> so sometimes um, my creative impulses might <laughs> be a little bit scary to people, but. That's what makes me excited. So when people ask me, are you a pantser, you know, or a plotter? Like, do you go methodically or do you jump in? I always jump in because if I know what's going to happen, I'm already bored. So there you go. (laughs) I'm not efficient, but I have a lot of fun. I think I mentioned that to Gloria when you were sending me your notes. I'll, I'll read Gloria's statement that there's the pantsers. The pantsers are by the seat of the pants and the plotters are they write everything out and outline. Okay, I think I'll do chapter three today. They said, okay, now I'll go to chapter five. And, and it's all laid out in an outline. And there are not many surprises. We're not sure about that. But maybe there were fewer surprises that way. Thank you, Melissa. Gloria, I'm going to put two of yours together because I think they go well. So statement two, you say, when I write... Words come unbidden. That's so biblical, Gloria. And the story writes itself. I never do anything the regular way, meaning you think that people have to write an outline. You just sit down at your computer and start typing. Gloria says she's as surprised by the words being written on her screen as she suspects her readers are when they read them. That's statement two. Statement three, you just mentioned you like surrounding yourself with beauty, your home and the setting are important. You say, if I buy something new in my head, I know exactly where it wants to go. But once I have it, it tells me where it belongs. I have the same experience, Gloria. But let's talk about these words unbidden. This is a fascinating part of the craft of writing when it just pours out of you. Gloria, talk to me. Yeah. So for me, like I said, I never planned to be a writer. Um, I, when I started just making these notes about this trip we were taking, I was, I was like shocked by what was coming on the screen. And to the extent that I already knew that my husband was going to run for mayor when we got back and that I was going to write the speech that introduced him at his, I called it his coming out party. (laughs) Um, And writing that speech, we were like living so we went for nine weeks. We, we stayed for a month in the slums of Barcelona because I, I don't like traveling. I don't like doing anything the regular way. So I wanted to live among the culture. Don't do all the normal touristy things. And so in this little tiny studio, I decide I'm going to write this speech. And the thing just wrote itself. I couldn't believe what was coming on the screen. Um, I just... For me, it's almost like it's it's kind of how I live my life anyways. I feel like I walk two worlds. Um, that really happened when I was part of birth, uh, being at a labor. There's no way you're not connected to the other side while you're still living on earth. Uh, in Hawaii, that same thing happens. You're, you're walking two worlds. And I think that's what happens to me when I write is that I kind of zoom off somewhere 
and the words just come. It's it's not even what I was planning to write or anything like that. It just comes. I had a similar experience. I've written three romantic comedy plays that I then edited and produced for my 30-minute TV series in, on Long Island. Gloria, I was at PATV and Great Neck uh, Lake Success at Public Access, which is now North Shore TV. And I had to edit these plays. I got community actors from around Long Island who were doing legitimate theater in community playhouses. And they came and they they were we set up a green screen and it, it was a lot of fun. We did the plays and we had edited it down to 29 minutes and 30 seconds, which was a riot, including credits. But when I was writing, Gloria, the characters literally poured out of me. I didn't say, what is she saying to him? I'm just sitting there. And I started at one in the morning and I wrote till four in the morning for about a week and I finished the first play. I have no idea where it came from other than a lot of my experiences. I'm writing and she said this and he said that and she was wearing this and he was saying that and he made the comment to the cab driver and the cab driver said this and the cab driver's wife. And I looked at it and I said, holy crap, did I write that? And I had people do a cold read. I was doing a cold reading salon once where I, I took scripts from Raul Dahl before people wanted to change them and a lot of comedy strips, strips and I stuck in one of mine and 10 people showed up for this workshop and I said, just come to the table, pick a script. At least say it's a monologue, it's a dialogue or it's a scene and pick a script, take five minutes and then who wants to go first? And then the person would come up and read it reading cold read from the script in whatever voice they thought the character and it was just fun well my plays was one of the ones on the table and somebody picked my play and they were reading it it was so funny and it was so good and i said oh my god is that mine did, did i write that i i loved it and i said god i don't know where that came from so i i get that part of writing yes i do thank you very much uh, i'm going to move on to alana alana i'm combining three of your statements because i think they go together my stories are my dreams shared with other dreamers that is beautiful that's a quotable moment we need to copyright that for you that's then you say cool. i write for myself not for my audience but it turns out there are more people like me out there than i expected and they want to hear what i have to say and then you add stories are the only universal language there is being a storyteller means you are at home everywhere isn't that beautiful so talk to us alana tell me a little more please Okay, I want to start with a cake. Melissa, this is for you. Because I cook just the way you do. I cook totally. I take a recipe and then I totally change it and something else. And sometimes it can be like a black bean uh, cupcake and sometimes it can be something wonderful. And this is how I write as well. I mean, I'm a professor of English literature, so I can take any text and analyze it professionally. So I have all my recipes. And yet, when I sit down to write, I don't follow any recipe. I jump in. And I jump in. My starting point is always a dream. And by dream, I mean literally a dream, not, you know, a dream like something. Um, I'm a dreamer. I, I have very vivid dreams. And I start with a visual image. And this visual image is like a magic door. And it opens the door and I enter the world of my novel. And I explore this world. I explore it just as much as my reader would explore it once the novel is finished. Because I write novel stories, whatever. My fiction is always about a different world. Because this is what I want to do in my life. I want to explore worlds other than the one we live in. Because, you know, this world is not enough. 
I could have given this as my as my this world is not enough. So I start with an image. I open a door mm. and I enter this world. This world is the one which you know which I want to explore. But yes, uh, when I saw that um, storytelling is the only universal language, as I said, I speak many different languages with many different cultures, and cultures are different, and people are different. And, uh, you know, and um, sometimes I feel a stranger everywhere, but because I'm a stranger everywhere, I'm at home everywhere as well. And um, I realized that once you tell a story, you know, stories migrate from place to place, fairy tales. I have a novel based on fairy tales. Um, once you tell a story, people are yours. And if you tell the right story, at the right moment, you have your audience, right? And uh, the stories I tell are not to everybody's taste. You know, I do write horror and some people find it uh, off-putting and some people find it, you know, difficult to take, whatever traumatizing, triggering, whatever word you, you want to use. Mm -hmm. But there are enough people like me who want to enter this world, who want to see this image, start with this image, open this door, enters the world of miracles and wonders. And, you know, I feel very humbled that I have this capacity to open this door and to invite people to join me and to tell the stories that some people, again, not everybody, you cannot tell the stories that will appeal to everybody, but if enough people listen to you, um, you are with them in this world. And it's a wonderful feeling. It's, it's an amazing feeling. I'm so privileged to be right Thank you. Very interesting. You, you brought up such a good point. We read movie reviews, we read TV show reviews, and people chime in. It's brutal out there when you go to some of the TV sites, right, Melissa? You go to some of the TV show sites and, and you see where people can add their comments on very public sites. Well, I didn't like this, and she wasn't a good actor, and I didn't like the clothes, and they didn't represent this ethnicity, and they had too much this, and they cursed, and I couldn't bring my children in the room, or that I could bring my children, whatever. And I say to myself, don't you realize you click off if you don't like something. You don't have to like it. Yeah. It's not your job to like everything. You go to a movie, you don't like it. Why would you leave a bad review? So you didn't like it. Get over yourself. Go go to a different movie. And I thought it just, it just when you were saying that, Elana, absolutely true. We don't write. We don't speak. We don't design. We don't bake for everyone. And right. sometimes people will be surprised that they like what we did. And sometimes people will be surprised that they don't like what we did because they like us. Right. Alana, just briefly, you want to say something? No, totally. I, that's what I want to say is that people don't realize people are really different. I mean, if you have lived like me across the world, you realize just how different they are, but they're also somewhat similar. And if you find your people, and your people are not the people who necessarily speak the same language, live in the same place, whatever, but who have the same dreams, those are your people, yes. right? And if you find them across, I found my people in Hong Kong, right? I barely could speak to them because I don't speak Chinese, but they read the same kind of books and they like the same kind of stories. There you my go. 
I, I want to talk to you. I don't usually do this, but I'm intrigued with the titles of your books. And Gloria, let's just make this a minute each because we have to go through the, we have some celebrity birthdays and we only have about eight minutes left. Gloria, the side effects of bravery. Most people would have made that the title. And then in the subscript would have been May Cause Drowsiness and Blurred Vision. You flipped it. You came up with the May Cause and that's the title of the book, The Side Effects of Bravery. That surprised me. What Did that just pour out of you, Gloria? Did somebody say to you, flip them around? I, I was very surprised. I like it. Go ahead. Actually, coming up with the title for that book was like having five babies at once. Um, it was torture. Um, I... I Flipped through my book and was looking for something within the book that would be like eye catching. So <clears throat> something that related to the book. And so in that story may cause drowsiness and blurred vision. That was a, a little yellow stick it uh, on the bottom of on the on my pill bottle prescription pill. I was supposed to put this patch behind my ear so I didn't get seasick. So it came from that and I knew I needed a subtitle. And the whole book was about basically gathering your tits about you and despite throat clenching fear and going for your dreams. So the side effects of bravery. So thank you very much. Very, very interesting. Uh, I I read, I saw an interview with uh, David Byrne, and he said you have these little musical snippets that he puts in a file and he visits them months or years later and creates songs out of them. Very, very interesting. And I read that at the beginning of some of the shows. <sighs> the Shapes of Wrath. You mentioned that the, what was it, the nine, uh, talk to me just briefly, Melissa, about how you pick your titles. So I think most people know The Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck, yeah. but I had read a book called The Crepes of Wrath, which I thought was very clever. And then I was like, well, I'm going to make a play on that and call it The Shapes of Wrath because it's all about anger, but it also makes you think. Very, very nice. And Alana, the one behind you is Girl of Light. Do you have another title that's a little more challenging? Tell me about your title challenges, just quickly. We have about six minutes left. Uh, uh, yeah, so for example, um, I have a novel called Nightwood, okay, and spouts one word. Um, so people like, first of all, my spell checker always cuts like night wood and I have to fight with it. But basically, uh, titles are often very difficult to, to pinpoint because I wanted to be, you know, to indicate what it is. It's horror. It's, it's, it's fantasy. It's not about whatever. But um, at the same time, I don't try very explicit or slasher horror or whatever. So also, I'm very happy actually with Girl of Light because it's ambiguous enough, you know, to be, it could be a romance or whatever, but it is a fantasy and it it does capture. So I'm happy with this title. Thank you. Thank you. Well, my, I can't tell you, I'll tell you off air what the title of my book is. I've been saying it on too many shows. Somebody's going to come hunt me down and then I'll be the subject of one of your horror books, Alana. Let's do some <laughs> famous birthdays. Quentin Tarantino is 60 today. Provocative director, producer, screenwriter. Uh, 1990s, the crime films Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill, One, Two, and Three, Inglorious Bastards, and Django Unchained. I saw that one. Mariah Carey, in all of her glory, is 54 today. And uh, she set all kinds of records and blah, blah, blah. She was married to Tommy Mottola, then Nick Cannon, and then she had a brief 
engagement to somebody. Anyway, uh, very, very interesting. She was a waitress when she was younger, and she was so unhappy, she got fired from a lot of jobs. She'd go home under the covers, listen to the radio, and sing. And all of a sudden, she had a five-octave range, and everybody's saying, holy crap, that's where I carry. Uh, Nathan Fillion, one of my favorite actors. Anybody remember Castle? About the the mystery writer, the thriller writer who had a thing with the police captain and Castle was in, he was shadowing her. Anyway, it was on ABC for years, Nathan Fillion, and he plays now John Nolan on ABC TV's The Rookie. He was also in, sci- in the sci-fi series. He played Mal in Firefly and the sequel to that, Serenity. There you go. Fergie. Anybody remember Fergie from the Black Eyed Peas? Yeah. Where is the love? Well, she is, her real name is Stacey Ann Ferguson. And before she was famous, she played Sally in two Peanuts cartoons and she was a spelling bee champion. How about that? I have three social media stars I guarantee you've never heard of. And the reason we're going to wish them a happy birthday is there's a young lady named Maria Paulina on TikTok. She's 17 years old. Are you all sitting down? Melissa, you sure? She's only got 3.3 million fans. Oh my God. She, I do this every, every week for my guests. She's a model, a social media star. She posts dances and lip sync videos on TikTok. Maria Paulina A-R-R. That's what she posts. Then we have a young man named Jesser, J-E-S-S-E-R, like Jesse with an R. He's 24. He's really lazy. He's only got 11 million subscribers on YouTube. Um, He's a gamer. He creates challenge and wager videos and road to the playoff series. And he was hired by some game company. And then we have the shocker of the day. We have a little girl, age nine, whose name is Gray's, G-R-E-Y, apostrophe S, Gray's World. And she has... Well, she's just starting out. We really have to feel sorry for her. She's a young dancer and she has dance videos and she practices acting and rapping. She only has 650,000 followers on Insta. I just wanted you to know, I I look for these people every week. Uh, We have got two minutes left. Okay, today in music history, I'll pick the best. Elvis Presley's Graceland was designated a National Historic Landmark in 2006. In 2003 on this date, John Lennon's boyhood home in Liverpool was open to the public. And let's see, uh, Eric Clapton married George Harrison's ex-wife, Patty. Did anybody know that? In 1979, Patty was the subject of Layla, beautiful song by Eric Clapton. And George Harrison attended the wedding and stayed friends with Clapton. That was so nice of him. Um, let's see, there was a, in 1982, a song called Pac-Man Fever made the top 10, the only song ever about a video game that made a top 10 anywhere. Uh, let's see. Fergie was born on this day. Liza Minnelli got Best Actress for Cabaret. She beat out Diana Ross in Lady Sings the Blues. That's interesting. And stereo albums were introduced on this day in 1958. And from the Hitchcock movie, The Man Who Do Too Much, in 1957, what will be will be Kesara. Sarah won the Academy Award for Best Original Song in 1957. Today is National Joe Day. I already told you Joe, Josephine, Joanna, Jody, Jojo, for you. It's International Scribble Day. We're almost out of time. Scribbling, not doodling. Scribbling is letters. It's Whiskey Day. It's Acoustic Soul Day in honor of India Aria, India Ari, the singer. It's National Spanish Paella Day, which was originally lunchtime peasant food that the workers did over a fire. And it's also Viagra Day, and we'll leave that one alone. <laughs> Quickly, yes, it was supposed to be for heart heart cures, and it had a side effect, and we all know it's an, ups, ups, it's an outstanding kind of a drug. Uh, Melissa, you're at myi.ninja.com, is that correct? Okay, and Gloria, you're at G-L-O-R-I-A-S-Q-U-I-T-I-R-O.com. And Alana, where are you? 
What website do you want people to go to? It's Cities of Light and Darkness. Spell this one word, citiesoflightanddarkness.com. Citiesoflightanddarkness.com. Thank you. And I have a closing here. C-I-T-I-E-S-O-F-L-I-G-H-T-A-N-D-D-A-R-K-N-E-S-S.com. I was in a yes, spelling bee. Sorry, too. I just going to add it's myi.ninja. myi.ninja. No okay, www.myi.ninja. Yes, okay, here we go. Closing. We got two seconds. Life is short. Break the rules. Forgive quickly. Kiss slowly. Take your time. Love truly. Laugh uncontrollably. <laughs> and never regret anything that made you smile. Work like you don't need the money because nobody really cares. Dance like no one's watching. When I taught disco, they watch. Sing like nobody's listening. And love like you've never been hurt because we all have. Get over it. Money talks, chocolate sings, and last but not least, I stole this line. Don't go away, ladies. Thank you for turning me on. Everybody wave goodbye. Thank you, Josh. Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio, presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. Join host, a.k.a. Radio Red, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.